0: She calls herself a change agent, focused on transforming our world for the better, and Chloe Coney has been a change agent since birth. She made history as the first black baby born at Charlotte County Hospital. At 13, she helped integrate Tampa Bay Area Public Schools. She'd been inspired by an early role model, President John F. Kennedy, who had visited Tampa just four days before he was assassinated in Dallas. As she bravely walked into her new school, Chloe remembered JFK's words, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Chloe went on to become the first black woman to be a probation officer in Florida. Even today, the hat lady is doing big things and looking great while doing it. And there's a story behind her fashionable look too. Chloe founded the corporation to develop communities of Tampa or CDC. She wanted to reduce poverty. Her legacy is giving back, and it is showcased on a legacy wall in her honor. But Chloe told me sometimes she had to wear a mask because sometimes memories of tough times still creep up.
1: I don't think I've come down from cloud 100 uh, since the unveiling of the Chloe Tony legacy wall. So it's a good day to be alive, okay?
0: Wait a minute, you've got a wall?
1: I have a wall at the... Uh, Center of CDC of Tampa. It's a legacy wall.
0: Tell me about
1: it. Oh, Ursula Odom. Uh, She is phenomenal. She does an awesome job, just very uh, creative. And she had been talking to me about years and years of telling my story, because she believes, and especially African-Americans telling their story, their journey of their life. And I finally decided to listen to her And CDC of Tampa has the Administrative Office on Hillsborough. And my son and the the board at CDC decided to allow me to take one of the walls. And what Ursuline does, she starts with your beginning when you're born, to any other achievement you have in life, your family. With me, she has my supporters. She has some important events. And... Like I said, I'm just blessed to have that, that um, wall up. And even when I'm going on to glory, somebody's going to be telling my story, okay? And that's a blessing, that we can tell our own story while we're yet alive.
0: I told you, Chloe made a unique entrance, and she didn't ask permission either. There's some history behind Charlotte County Hospital, right?
1: There is some history. Um, We have to realize in the 1950s, we definitely were segregated. Most black babies were born with midwives. Uh, They were not allowed in white hospitals. In Pontchagata, Florida, both of my grandfathers were preachers. Uh, And then my mother's mother was a teacher there. Mm. So the family was well known. And my father, sister, his only sibling died in childbirth with a a midwife. So when my mother was having problems with me, he did not want to have her with a midwife. So he and my family went to the hospital to to ask them to please allow me to be born there. And sure enough, they did. And the nurse that uh, was uh, in the delivery with me was so impressed that she asked my mother because she named her after her. And my mother said, no, her first name is going to be Chloe. That's a family name. But she did name me Juanita after the nurse. Wow. So that's a story. Coming into the world, integrating, hey, the hospital, being one of the first, and being a change agent.
0: Coming in there shouting and screaming, huh?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: And so that never left you, essentially, right? I mean, because as we matriculated through elementary school and middle school. At high school, what are some of the changes that came about there as you're a change agent?
1: Well, at the age of 13, again, I started out, I moved to Tampa when I was four. And again, I was raised in West Tampa. And, and you know, you've only lived in this time in the in the 50s in West Tampa and East Tampa. Very few neighborhoods I'd like school live in. But we had a sense of community there. And I started out in Dunbar which was segregated, and went on to Just when they first built Just uh, Middle School. And at the age of 13, I had one of those aha moments that changed my life. Uh Uh Aha. Aha moment. That was when President John Kennedy came to Tampa. I was 13, and our teacher allowed us to leave Just, and we walked to, um, it was Grand Central Station at that, I mean Boulevard at that time, and I got a chance to see him. In the parade and he made an impression upon me when he said ask not what you can what your country can do for you but what can you do for your country and that resonated with me and at the age of 13 when the school system was trying to recruit african-americans to go and integrate the school system it was three of us and i was one of them that left our segregated school just left the community to go to another school and then graduating from Hillsborough High School in 1968 with honors, which I'm very blessed to say.
0: That's what I'm talking about. You know why so frequently we hear people uh, disparage younger generations, but you know what? No. Younger folks are needed, and you proved that as a 13-year-old, right?
1: That is true. We all have something to give back. One of my uh, favorite sayings, Frank, is to go where there's no path, create a path so others could follow
0: All of this happening in the midst of the civil rights movement. For context, many lives were lost during this time period. People who were trying to push change.
1: People don't take it. They don't understand now what 1963 was. We had, if you integrated anything during that time, the lunch counter, whatever, Some people were beaten, some people had been lit, some people had the dogs, whatever. This is 1963, and my mother was taking me to school, and she cried, why you? Why, why, why? But you know, um, there's something to say when you want to fight injustices, and you want to make things better, not as, as they are. But you're willing, as Dr. Martin Luther King said, willing to lay down your life to make something better, something you truly believe in. So it does my heart good now when I see many of the kids, that, are, especially African-Americans graduating with honors from schools and going off to college. I know that many of them are standing on my shoulder and I'm, I'm praying that many of them will have the same legacy for their generation.
0: Take me back inside that classroom, 13-year-old Chloe. What was that like for you on day one, and what was it like for you as the school year progressed?
1: Well, uh, it was really interesting because most of them uh, had never been in schools with African americans and they thought that I had moved from up north. And I had to tell them, no, I'm from the other side of the track because, you know, I went to West Ham junior high, and there's a track on Rome. So I live on the other side of Rome, okay? And I kept telling them, no, I went to Dunbar. And when I um, made the Honor Society there in ninth grade, it was a privilege because, again, my teachers I had, my black teachers at just and Dunbar, they poured into us. They told us we can be anybody we want to be. And as I was leaving... Uh, Just, i never forget my favorite teacher. She later became a, a County Commissioner, Sylvia Kimball. Uh, Sylvia Rodriguez Kimball. She told me, she said, Chloe, if you can make A's and B's here at this black school, we send you out to the white school, you better make A's and B's and we're here to help you. And I can truly say that I always had a sense of community uh, my church was at Beulah Baptist Church, and I had Reverend Dr. Leon Lowry. And he was another one that instilled in us and uh, that we can be uh, great and you can do great things. And we saw him as a role model because he was a professor to Dr. Martin Luther King, and he was our first school board member. So we had those role models in our community, and I, and I give honor to many of them that have gone on before me. And that's the reason I'm always, Frank, reaching back to pull the next generation out because now I have that charge to make sure that we leave a legacy to the next generation.
0: You, you know, Miss Coney, it seems like uh, the common thread here, the common theme is relationships. You mentioned your pastor, you mentioned your teachers, you mentioned any of the people who were influential and your success, and it was a matter of community and building relationships. Can you kind of expound on the importance of that and how that pours into one's success?
1: Frank, I like to tell everybody, you need to have a mentor. Go find somebody who's done exactly what you want to do. It was no coincidence that when I was making that decision to leave my school, my community, everything that I knew. Everything I knew was right there in that little neighborhood. And to leave and have the courage to do that, I had my elders that I named poured to me. It is so critical that you get to know others because people want to help you. And I say that um, all through my life. I've never done anything by myself. I've been blessed to have people that walk along with me or pour into me uh, and and, and help me to bring the projects like at CDC to fruition. Uh, I can go on to say that. Uh, Graduating from Florida A&M, I'm grateful uh, to the elders that sent us off to college and sent us money and and proud of us and encourage us.
0: And here's another achievement. It also came with proud moments. There were dark times too.
1: I was first black probation officer, female. Now this is in 1972.
0: In 1972
1: you were,
0: what level of school were you in 1972?
1: 19, I graduated from Florida in December 1971. Department of uh, Correction came to Florida A&M and recruited me to work with them as the first black female in the state of Florida here as the probation officer female, and it was not easy. <laughs> June of 1972, my first uh, first time going out with my supervisor. I never forget this day. Chuck Curry, we went to Ruskin. Stopped by on Highway 41 to get some gas. He wanted to get some gas. He ran the service station, Frank. And, and whoever the guy was came out with a shotgun pointed toward me. My
0: goodness. He
1: thought I was his girlfriend. What? And he saying, no, no, she's a probation officer. Chloe, get your badge out. And I'm trying to find my badge and say, oh, Lord, what did I get myself into again? And, uh, you know, I, I suppressed that many, many years, but as soon as I came back to the office and I had made up my mind I was retiring, I was not gonna do this dangerous job, I went and uh, Judge Edgecombe and Delana Stewart talked to me and they told me their stories working in the criminal justice system. Yeah, And they said that, Chloe, when you stay, and you create that path, others will follow. So I'm grateful today that we have many African-American females that uh, have worked for, are working with the Department of Correction. So somebody has to be a trailblazer. Somebody has to say, this is my assignment by God and do it with the spirit of excellence.
0: You feel like you were called?
1: I was called to do that, yes.
0: You know, and integrating the school system helped me out. You, um, you know, we talk about uh, when, you, when you graduated college, right? And I'm thinking back as you were just getting started in your journey for school. This is in the midst of 1955, I'm thinking back to Emmett Till. This is yeah. the type of history that you were surrounded by. That was your present day and time.
1: And at one of the schools, Hillsborough High School, they were saying Dixie. I wish we were in the land of Dixie, you know, cotton. And I'm going, oh no, 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 no. And having the Confederate flag around the pet rally. So, you know, I lived through that.
0: Right. And I so people-
1: they called the N-word. But again, my teachers uh, from Dunbar and Just had taught us who, who we were. So I knew I could be anybody that I
0: wanted to be. And you you knew that wasn't your name. And you knew that wasn't your name. And
1: that
0: was not my name. You know, and I I say that about, you know, Emmett Till and the heinous, just unspeakable acts that happened to him. Just to kind of contextualize for our listeners out there why your mother would have such fear for you going into essentially a foreign environment. Mm -hmm. It was. A foreign environment.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Decades have passed and Chloe has moved on physically, but some scars never fade, especially when the trauma is deeply rooted in hatred. There must have been some dark days for you. Did you feel alone at any point during that journey? Because you said three of you.
1: It was three of us. And um, it was, once we got to know some of the students at West Ham and then going on to Old Jefferson, it was... Um, we, I made friends. In fact, when I went to Jefferson, um, that was in 10th and 11th grade. I was in the National Society. They elect me a uh, student body. I was uh, um, a dancer at. You were running I, things out there, weren't I you? I was going? things. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> when they closed down our school, I was in 11th grade. and we, All of us had to go to other schools, 12. Hillsborough was a rude awakening, I'll be honest with you. It was more about economics, okay. Plant and Hillsborough was your two predominantly white uh, high schools that was known for um, for 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 being um, the premier schools in Tampa.
0: So your eyes. That's where I really yeah, yeah.
1: Felt the Yes, I was. You could really tell it there. Um, Make and, it concrete
0: for me, what, what's an example, if you can remember, that kind of left a, an indelible impression on you uh, of, of um, socioeconomic division, along with race?
1: Of course, most of the students there had uh, cars. And, you know, during this time, I, I had lived in North Boulevard homes, you know, and, and um, I had very few of my friends had cars, Okay. Uh, we ca- I caught the bus, the World. and my mother would drop me off. But when, when I said that, to walk into the school, and this is your senior year, only there one year, senior year, and to feel the prejudice. I had students, like I said, call me the N-word. I had a teacher that deliberately put me in the back of the room Mm. And, I, and I never liked sitting in the back of the room, okay? Right. They're never uh, acknowledging that I was an honest student, even though I had come from uh, uh, Jefferson, the old Jefferson. Um, well, pat rallies. Can you imagine being black sitting in a pat rally and they sing in Dixie?
0: Right.
1: Talk about the land of cotton. And you're sitting there. Listening to this, and everybody is cheering, everybody is running around in a frenzy. It's a good time for them, but us blacks are sitting there going, "What's what's wrong with this?" And of course, I must say, Frank, I was a little militant, so I had my Black Power sign. Okay, even though '68, remember,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um,
0: the Olympics and, and everything.
1: That's right. But it was was a horrible experience. It was it was trauma. Um, And I, I, I held on to that a long time. But, you know, one thing I can say, Frank, God knows how to restore and to reward you for your faithfulness.
0: Fast forward. Here's what her old school did to atone. But keep listening because there's proof. Even strong people feel weak.
1: Two years ago, and it's only two years ago, uh, Hillsborough High School inducted me into the Hall of Fame.
0: Oh, look at you.
1: So, my class of 1968 came to that event and cheered me on. So, I'm grateful for every experience that I've had. And many of them came to my legacy wall, too, to celebrate with me. Wow. 50 years later, 50 years, 52, I think it's 52 years later. So we're grateful that uh, every journey and sometimes in life, people want to take the easy way out. But if you're really going to make a change and be a change agent, you're going to have to do some hard things, some things that are not popular, some things that uh, you may have to do by yourself. But again, just do it. I tell everybody, just do it. God will reward you for your faithfulness. Just do it.
0: You have no idea how <laughs> impactful <laughs> that is. Um, Thank you. Wow. A um, lot of
1: help, a lot of help, a lot of help, Frank.
0: You know, I think the thing that uh, people fail to realize is that you may try to continue to move forward, but the body remembers that trauma. And you remember these, these instances so vividly. You, you remember them as if it just happened. And, and people you have to put on a, a facade do you not
1: you do Frank let me let me explain something to you that has been my uh, survival mechanism I mean you just cover it up you just hide away in your mind and, and and never hope that you have to bring it forth that incident of me being the probation officer and the uh, store owner coming out with a shotgun I I uh, completely, I, did, I forgot about it. I just didn't want to think about it. It was too horrible. And lo and behold, I was working for Congresswoman Castor. And we were doing the Affordable Care Act, which was right. the Obama. And Tampa made the CNN news, okay, during that time. Because at the Children's Board, we had the meeting. And we had people that disrupt the whole meeting. Uh, it was horrible so i had to tell our chief of staff um please let me call the police and get the congresswoman out of here and he kept saying no 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 i don't think so i said no we gotta do that i've lived through this i've been through this integrated school system when we had to go down there to the schools we went i went through the same i've been through too many of these and lo and behold it was really sad and when that experience of the uh, store owner with a gun Came out of my mind, came out of my soul, and I was able to finally grieve because I never grieved that. Was when Congresswoman Gifford was shot in the head. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: It was her district director that was killed. And that, that's my position with the Congresswoman right. pastor, okay? Right. I cried, I think I cried for three days. And one of my friends that helped me, well, she was two years behind me at Hillsborough, called me up, we were, and we were always good friends, and we talked about what we went through. And she said to me, Chloe, I know you're grieving, and it's good to grieving. And when Congresswoman Cancer took me to the 50th year march on Selma, and I was with the great Honorable John Lewis, and you listened to his stories, And when we went to Montgomery, Alabama, to the Capitol, and George Wallace, Governor Wallace's daughter, Mm. said to John Lewis, you're welcome home. I cried. I cried for Congresswoman Castro. She said, stop crying. I said, no, just let me cry. I'm crying for everything that happened to me. I needed to heal. I needed to heal. So Frank, uh, being 71, and I'm glad to be 71 years old, I can truly say that God has allowed me now to confront those feelings and to heal, to forgive, to love, and to enjoy life now.
0: That is amazing. You know, Congressman Lewis said, when you see something that's not right, not fair, not just, you have to speak up, you have to say something, you have to do something.
1: You say get into good trouble, okay? Good trouble. Good trouble.
0: <laughs> Here's the backstory with Chloe's huge hat collection. It's about looking good, but looking good is also a form of protest. You are wearing that hat.
1: Thank you. I'm the hat lady. I have over. I I had over 200 hats. I just donated about a hundred of them to the service event. What happens growing up in, at Beulah? I have, uh, I had role models, just like you said, it's about mentoring relationships and to walk in there and see uh, the, the senior ladies, oh my god, Miss Fillmore with a hat and a glove, Miss Harper, Miss Johnny Mae Williams, oh okay, and then with my own family. My, my great-grandmother came out of Church of God in Christ, and those are some of the best hats you could see going to that conference. And my grandmother was an AME uh, first lady. Her husband was a pastor. And my mother, she lived to be 95 years old. She just passed December the 2nd. But my mother was a dresser. She went to church every Sunday with a hat, matching dress, matching shoes, and matching purse. So I have a legacy that I have to keep up with my own family. Yeah, so I'm the hat lady. I turned fifty and I've been wearing hats every day, so I have all kind of hats, Frank.
0: I love it. You know, I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm a long way away from home. But you're making me feel like I'm sitting in my my grandma's front room right now.
1: That's right. You can tell the mothers of the church, and fact, Frank. I'm so blessed. That people know I love hats. I have not bought a hat probably the last uh, five or six years. I have um, uh, elders and mothers of the church. I had about three. They tell their family when they pass, they better give me their hats.
0: So actually,
1: (laughs) they gave me their hats. The hat that I have on now, I'm a Delta Soror, the Delta Sigma Theta. Oh, you throwing
0: that dynasty sign?
1: Throwing this diner in here, and my Madam President left Tampa to go to Dallas to live with her family. She said she could not take everything with her. So she called me to her house to give me a bag of hats. So I'm wearing this hat in her honor. That's
0: what I'm and
1: again, it's wonderful to uh, carry on this uh, tradition of so many great women in our community.
0: So how did she pass along the baton of service, and how did it start?
1: I'm going to say um, the profession chose me. Um, I was the manager of Lee Davis Neighborhood Service Center working for the county in Hillsborough County um, Department of Social Services. And we interviewed the community. Now, this is in in, in 1989. And it was interesting. The community, we did a survey about 2,000 families. And the uh, average income is $5,400. Mm-hmm. So really, what did poor people tell us that lived in the East Tampa and College Hill and Potts? Their first need was affordable housing. Number two, business and employment. Number three was services for the youth. And then fourth was health care. So looking at that information, my brother-in-law, came from Miami, Al Townsend. He was working with Greater Miami Neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And he said, quote, with those statistics and that data, you need to start a CDC. And I said, Al, I'm the manager of Neighborhood Service Center. We have a health department. What do we want to be the Center for Disease Control for? And he laughed. And he said, no, Chloe, it's a whole industry. It's a community development corporation. And lo and behold, from the Lee Davis Advisory Board, we formed the Corporation Developed Communities of Tampa, CDC of Tampa. And we started May the 5th, 1992. So this year we'll be starting out three years. And the reason I started that, because when you looked at College Hill in East Tampa, you will see that um, every riot, drugs, crime, everything you want to say negative is just there. But we're saying today that the community was strong and they wanted more. And so with our CDC, we're really blessed uh, to start out doing drug marches, cleaning up the neighborhood. From there, we started a career resource center, getting people jobs, small business center, doing a business loan and micro loans. We uh, built the first laundromat, the Nehemiah laundromat. We took our old bar rabbit foot bar. And you weren't lucky when you went there. It was nicknamed Buckets of Blood because so many people have been killed here. Bad. And today is Audrey uh, Spofford Youth and Family Center. She was the chair of our advisory board. And we have sent, Frank, over 700 young people to college. So we have taken that building. And then we have a business incubator on Martin King. We have um, on Hillsborough You know, we became known for taking trash and turning it into treasure. It was a nightclub on Hillsborough, major thoroughfare, called Rumors uh, Wild Cherry. It had the pole in there and the little private rooms. But CDC of Tampa bought that building, tore it down, and now it's the Cloy Coney Urban Enterprise Center that is the headquarters for CDC, and they do their housing and employment uh, out of that building.
0: That's a tall task for your son,
1: right? It is, and I want to say I'm so grateful that my son, Ernest Coney, Jr., um, he started out with me doing projects when I was the manager of Lee Davis. I took him on conferences with the CDC conference, so he met people that are doing tremendous work in their community. And he kept telling me, I really want to come and work for you. And so when I retired, he, he decided that. And I'm very grateful. Um, my first employee became the CEO when I left. And Tony Watts hired him. And uh, proud of him. He's a graduate of uh, Jefferson, honor student, went to uh, Dartmouth. He's an Ivy leaguer, has his master's in public health from USF, worked 15 years in the healthcare industry. But he told me, uh, mom, God, uh, touch my heart. And I want to carry on the legacy that you and, and my husband, because my husband was executive director of the New Century City Wise. So he has some big shoes to fill. And now uh, he's done a tremendous job. He's taken the organization, building apartments, building more houses, and just keeping the legacy going on, a community building brick by brick.
0: If anybody out there needs some help and wants to get connected with that organization, CDC, how can they go about doing that?
1: And they need to go to their website, uh, CDC of Tampa. So it's www.cdcatampa.org. And they do have on there the programs that they're providing. Because some of the, uh, they have a Tampa Vocation Institute, it's a training institute, and now they're doing construction training environmental uh, focus training, um, CNA, customer service. Um, they have a youth program, and they're going to be doing a suit-up and show-up. And my son started this program, I'm going to say, about six seven years ago. Unfortunately, Frank, in the youth program, we had one young man that lived in East Tampa, went to a little teen's party off of 34th Street drive-by shooting and he killed him. So my son bought the young man his first suit for his funeral.
0: Mm.
1: He swore he would never do that again. And that's how that program started. So these last six years, what they do, and this will happen March 11th of this year, uh, he is going to the school, 10 schools select their students most of them are minority students, and they come to this one-day leadership workshop. They have workshops, again, on leadership, how to prepare for a job, listen to very successful African-American men, learn how to tie a tie, but for each one that come, they get a suit, a tie, shoes, shirt, and they get dressed for life.
0: That is amazing.
1: And we, that's the reason I sold my hats for that event. And then we have a sisterhood summit too that we're going to be doing. But if anybody would like to donate toward those youth programs, please go to their website, cdcatamper.org.
0: Wow. Ms. Chloe Coney, I cannot thank you enough for your time and your contributions.
1: Thank you so much, Frank, for allowing me to tell my story. And I'm going to encourage and hope that God is touching some others, especially the young people's heart.
0: No doubt a compelling story. And you can learn more about Chloe Coney right now by checking out 10 Tampa Bay.com. You know, we'll be back soon with another Frank conversation, but for now, thanks for listening. And until next time, have a good one.